The Holding Court Podcast is powered by Fundraising University Ohio. Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that help basketball teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned and operated, and with their six-step blitz system, will help your team maximize profits. As a former basketball coach himself, Brent Maxwell will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser, which will allow you as a coach to devote more time to the other aspects of your program. If you're looking to take your fundraising efforts to the next level, contact Brent Maxwell at bmaxwell at fundraisingu.net or 740-501-8946 to learn more. Welcome to Holding Court, presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Join hosts Adam Hall and Walt Serrato as they sit down with some of the biggest names in Ohio high school basketball and beyond. This show and all of our shows are available to listen to completely free anywhere that you can find podcasts. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's get to it. Hello, it's Adam Hall, and I am excited to be joined by Brent Maxwell of Fundraising University. Brent is a franchise owner of Fundraising University here in Ohio. Brent, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Holding Court Podcast. Hey, Coach. Thanks for having me, man. So happy to be here and be part of this podcast. Awesome. So, Brent, let's take a few minutes here uh, and help our listeners get to know Brent Maxwell a little bit better. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. So, um, born and raised in, in Fredericktown, Ohio. Moved out of there about 15 years ago when I uh, met my wife and moved to Marysville, where we live now. And um, a little bit about me: I played basketball and baseball all, all through high school, and, and played basketball in college at Ohio Dominican for Coach Ed DiGenova. Went back to Fredericktown, coached eight years uh, there at the junior high level, then moved up to the varsity assistant level as well. And then, like I said, met my wife and moved to Marysville, where we reside now. No kids, but uh, a four-year-old English Golden Retriever and an eight-week-old English Golden Retriever. So we just got a puppy last week. Awesome. That's great. So, Brent, in our last podcast, David Close of Stowe Monroe Falls High School talked about how former players are always coming back to him and essentially thanking him for lessons he taught them through the game of basketball as it has allowed them to experience success in their own lives. Did sports have that same impact for you? And if so, how? Yeah, I think it it most definitely did. Growing up, you know, I I took to sports very, very early in in my life, Uh, picked up a ball early. Um, But I think it it really taught me how to compete and and get out there. I, I think some of the biggest compliments I've received in my lifetime is that I'm one heck of a competitor. And I, I think sports did that for me. I hate to lose. Uh, uh, I'm not a sore loser, but I definitely hate to lose. And uh, so it taught me to compete. It also taught me, you know, commitment and being part of something and, and being accountable, just not for myself, but for others, which therefore kind of led me into being, you know, hopefully being a great teammate as well. Um, so a lot of life lessons in there, just competing, commitment, accountability, and, you know, and being a great teammate and friend with others around you. So Brett, take us through your time here at Fundraising University and what eventually led to your decision to become a franchise owner here in Ohio. Yeah, great question. And there actually is a little bit of a story to that. So 
I've been in sales my entire life. When I graduated from a high Dominican, I, I got an entry level sales job and, and worked my way up into sales management and was still coaching basketball and that type of thing. But I got to a point where as I kept, I guess, moving up that corporate ladder, the, the ability to coach went away uh, from just from a time commitment standpoint. And um, about four years ago, uh, living here in Marysville, my wife lost one of her top assistants and said, Hey, I'm having trouble finding somebody. Can you volunteer? And when you can get here, when you you know get here and I want you there, you know how to compete, you know how to coach, um, you love kids. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll help you out when I can be there. I'm telling you what, coach, that first day of practice where I went there and, you know, it's softball, so it's in the winter, so it was cold out. So we were inside in the gym in the field house. And I got home that night and I told my wife, I'm quitting my job. She said, what do you mean? I said, I have to find something that gets me back into a gym and gets me around these kids, gets me around sports and competing and coaching and that type of thing. And she said, well, you know, my wife is awesome. She said, do what you want to do. And that led me to looking into different careers, different businesses, different franchises. And eventually landed on Fundraising University. And it was a great match for what I wanted in life with sports being a passion of mine. That's what I do. I get to go around and talk to guys like you and coaches and athletes every single day. And for me, it doesn't get any better than that. So I want to follow up with that a little bit. So you said you're currently an assistant softball coach at Marysville. Prior to that, as we talked off air, you served as an assistant basketball coach at Fredericktown under Tim Burry and Kirk Mance. Yep. Fundraising University, if I understand right and, and have read the information correctly, is built from former and current coaches. So talk about how important that little piece of information is and how that differentiates you from other fundraising platforms out there. Great question. You know, and, and our CEO, Mike Bahoon, our, our founder of Fundraising University from a corporate level, he actually is an assistant baseball coach at Ohio State. So a D1 baseball coach at Ohio State this past year. And I think that that connection is just I've been in that seat that you are and all the guys listening and gals listening. I, I've been in that seat where fundraisers have been pitched to me and, and, and I know coaches don't get into coaching to fundraise, right? It's, it's a necessary evil. And, and me being a current coach and a former coach, I understand that. And I'm, I'm here to take the evil out of that because we know it's a necessity in, in all sports. Um, but I think just having that connection as a coach and, and former coach, just being able to sit down and, and I call it the four P's. I, I want to give coaches back their four P's, and that's practice time, prep time, player development time, and personal time, which is a big one. And, and fundraisers, if you're doing it on your own and, and trying to raise the money that some of these coaches are trying to raise, that really cuts into all those things and, and really can hurt a program going forward. Um, and, and so that's why I want to put myself in that position to, to help coaches around Ohio to be able to give them those things back. So, Brett, in talking about your company and, and, and fundraising, what types of fundraisers do you offer to prospective programs? You know, it's not something that we think they're, you know, more is better, right? Um, there are some standard fundraisers out there that are the, the breadwinners um, when it comes to fundraising. There are several different ones out there, but we really focus on a, a select few. Two of the mo- most popular ones uh, that have been tried by everybody, and they're still the top two fundraisers within our company, is popcorn and cookie dough. Honestly, uh, people still buy it. They, they know it's out there. And when a kid knocks on the door selling something and they see it's popcorn or cookie dough, they actually, your supporters and donors know what it's for. The most popular 
the one that we have right now that has kind of come about since COVID, uh, when people couldn't get out door to door and they could they quit selling things, is our for lack of a better word, a donation platform. And this is a donation platform where athletes actually, we do a text-a-thon where kids are texting uh, links to donors, uh, making some phone calls, asking for support. Uh, a lot more to that, but coaches love that one because it's a it's a 60-minute fundraiser. It uh, will probably make you the most money you've ever made. It's a great team-building bonding event for the players. Um, it gives you all that time back that I talked about earlier with uh, the four Ps. It's a higher percentage of profit that you make on that. So it's simple and very efficient. Um, and, and that's why coaches kind of gravitate towards that one. And then we also offer discount cards. Uh, most football teams sell those, if you've probably seen them. Uh, a lot of people on this call probably have uh, discount tickets. Those are kind of our top five to six that we run that really make the most money for programs. One of the things with our tech or with these fundraisers, we Fundraising University, we're about technology. So we want to work smarter, not harder. So we're using today's technology uh, from a popcorn one with um, making it all online and shipped to home and, and things like that. So there are no deliveries and there's no out collecting cash and collecting checks and, and, and things like that, which coaches are hesitant to do nowadays as far as sending kids out in neighborhoods and, and knocking on doors and, and doing those type of things. So take me through the process from the time that I have the idea and I get a hold of Brent Maxwell to when I get the money or check in hand for my program. Yeah. So, you know, just like all coaches, everyone has a process. We, we have a process at, at Fundraising University and, and we definitely want to trust that process. Right. Uh, from that day one, um, you and I are strategizing. I'm going to sit down and we're going to pick the best fundraiser for you. There are times of the season where fundraisers make sense and when they don't. Different products during different seasons and knowing what other teams or other programs within your school, what they are doing, because you don't want to duplicate efforts. Um, I think that's very important for us to sit down and, and as, as a fundraising coach and, and as a coach to, like I said, pick the right fundraiser that makes sense for your program that will maximize profit. So that's the first step, just picking and strategizing. Um, the next step is, you know, setting goals and setting expectations. You don't know where you're going. You don't. You can't get where you're going until you know where you're going, right? So uh, we want to set some goals. We want to set some expectations and um, make sure that we're united front as a coaching staff. So we game plan and have coaches meetings and, and teaching the coaches how to coach up the fundraiser and putting that accountability out there uh, and making sure, like I said, coaches are united front and, and assistant coaches are united front and not saying, you know, hey, this is tough. It's hard. It's no, hey, we got expectations to meet. We have goals to meet. We expect you guys to do this as athletes. To me, coming in, kicking it off with your team, you know, kicking off the fundraiser, going through details of what they need to do, how they're going to do it from a technology standpoint, teach them how to sell, teach them all the things that, you know, high school athletes just don't know how to do nowadays to where then when the fundraiser's getting closed or closed up, we have our blitz where I actually come in and I'll, I'll count the money and, and I'll be your banker. So coaches don't have to do that. Your booster don't have to do that. Most of our fundraisers from when we run it kickoff are seven to 10 days and you'll have your money on that 10th, 11th or 12th day, depending on the fundraiser. So our fundraisers are meant to be quick and easy. We want to you know try to uh, make you the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time with as little resistance as possible. And therefore, you know, taking as much off a coach's plate as possible. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to uh, kind of look at the list of basketball teams you've worked with here in the state of Ohio. And, and the list is impressive. But, you know, you. what's even more impressive and, and what jumps out on the page even more is the amount of teams that have successfully raised over $10,000 
for their program and just one fundraiser and that seven to 10 day um, time window you're talking about. What have been the keys to some of your most successful fundraisers? 100% complete buy-in uh, from all the coaches, honestly. And, you know, the number one reason why fundraisers fail, it's the perception that the athletes have on how bought in the coaches are. Um, and, and, and the coaches are bought in and, and we go through our process. Um, that is a proven process, a proven recipe for success. That's where you'll see the success that some of these coaches are. are. You know, I've had programs raise. I just did a football team the other night very with our donation platform coach, and they have raised over $600 per kid with 40 kids um, in, in 60 minutes of work. So that's because that coach and that coaching staff was bought in 100%, and those expectations were delivered and kept up with those kids. So I, I want to follow up to that. One of the fundraisers that I saw you did, it was a competition fundraiser, and I think it was between the Centerburg boys and girls program. Talk about that type of fundraiser where you're essentially uh, putting two programs from the same school uh, competing against each other and why that might be a good option for teams to consider. Yeah, uh, I I mentioned earlier, I love to compete, right? Um, Iron sharpens iron. Uh, I know as coaches, we've all used that term and have heard it. So um, I love getting kids competing against one another, especially, you know, the one that Centerberg did was our donation platform. And, and we had the girls team on one side of the gym and the boys on the other. And they are just making, they're sending out text messages and phone calls, asking for support. And, you know, hearing the cha-chings of the donations coming in, those kids get very, very excited. And those, those competitive juices start flowing. And kids are calling people that they barely know asking for support because they want to get their team up to the top. And in that particular case, um, I don't think it ever got followed through, but the two coaches made a bet that the losing coach had to get a spray tan. And if, if you know the, the coaches from Centerburg, uh, John and Bo, you can see one of them getting a spray tan would be pretty funny. But uh, I don't think that actually happened. But um, those are things I love to do, just getting the kids competing against one another. One of the great things about people are there to support. There are people out there that want to help. And, and you saw a donation come in for the boys team and then a donation come in from the girls team that was the same person. So people want to support athletes. They, they understand where we are in today's world and um, just getting the kids out there, getting them out of their comfort zone uh, to compete against one another and, and to ask for support. That's what it's all about. So Brent, we typically now like to transition into a segment that we call Triple Threat, where we give our guests three topics, let them share their thoughts, ideas, experiences, uh, and or suggestions with our listeners. Do you feel up to doing that? Oh yeah, most definitely. Let's go. Okay, so number one, who is the GOAT in basketball and why? You know, it's very hard for me to say this because growing up um, in Central Ohio, I, I don't know why, but I was the biggest Dominique Wilkins fan. Uh, loved everything about that guy, even wore the Brooks high tops in, in school for a while. But, you know, I think the GOAT is Michael Jordan. Um, no doubt in my mind. I mean, he just simply wanted everything that he did. The way he competed out there, um, you know, he did – he was able to do everything on the court from from guarding every, every position on the floor to scoring, to passing, to rebounds. He, he just did everything out there, um, never took a night off. And uh, I just think when you think basketball, I, I think you think Michael Jordan first, just from a, a pure competitor and, and the way he just went about everything and, and the way he won. So I'd have to say Michael Jordan. So number two, there, there's been some talk recently coming out of the NCAA uh, about possible expansion. 
to the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Nothing set in stone or anything like that. Just your thoughts on whether or not the NCAA should expand that 68-team field. Um, it's a great question. I'm not really a traditionalist for uh, her, but honestly, I, I like where it is now. Um, I, I think it's, it's exclusive to get in there, right? You, you have to have some type of good season or have to do something there at the end to win a conference tournament to get in there. So I think getting that invite on Selection Sunday it is still a big deal. And um, I hate to see that go away because they, they add another 20 teams in or, or 40 teams, however they might do it. But I think I would just keep it where it is. I, I love getting the smaller schools in there from time to time with Cinderella stories. Um, I, I was a big Georgetown Hoyas fan growing up, and I hated seeing Villanova beat them in, in 85. But um, those are things that um, make basketball what basketball is. So I would say just keep it the same and, and keep rolling with it. So this last one, hey, I got to warn you, take your time before you answer this one. All right. Who is the better athlete in your family, you or your wife? Wow. <laughs> you, you did your research, obviously. Um, well, I, I can tell you one thing. She has more NCAA records than I have, which I have zero. And when I first met her, she had six. So I'm not sure she still has six if that's, if that's changed. But um, And she's in three more Hall of Fames than what I am, too. So I guess if you just go by Hall of Fames and, and by NCAA records, she has me beat. But it is funny. When I first met Jennifer, uh, I Googled her uh, back in the day and literally saw all these NCAA records. She was a pitcher at Muskingum University for softball. And um, I was like, man, I don't know if I could date someone who's a better athlete than me. But uh, I, I put that behind me and, and kept on going. That's that's one of the things I love about her. Her and I are always competing against one another. She, she knows sports. She understands sports. It's a passion of hers as well. Like I said, she's a She's a physical therapist by trade, but she still coaches high school softball. Um, this is her going on her 12th year at Marysville, I believe. Um, but that's what makes us who we are, is just competing against one another and, and having those conversations. So great question. I love it. So, Brent, we got one more question for you. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, thank you for coming on the show tonight, spending some time with us on the Holding Court podcast. Uh, really appreciate what you're doing. Excited about the partnership uh, that we have going right now with you here at the OHSBCA. Uh, and if you could, before we get to this last question, just let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you uh, if they want to set up a fundraiser. Yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, phone num- Cell phone number is 740-501-8946. And, and email is just B Maxwell. Um, so B-M-A-X-W-E-L-L at fundraising the letter u.net um, are, are two great ways. Cell phone probably works the best with a text message or a phone call. You know, and, and I've had the franchise now for about two years, coach. And uh, I just hired uh, my first rep uh, last month. So I, I got additional help now that we are looking to just help out as many teams as possible here within Ohio. Um, we do have a franchise owner out of Cincinnati as well. Um, so we're starting to um, really expand our, our services here in the, in the state of Ohio. So Brett, talk about, how you and others within your company view the customer-client relationship and how you look to develop a relationship that goes beyond just seeing the customer as another transaction. I think that's why I'm different, um, to be honest with you, is that looking at it that way, I, 
each coach I talk to, I, I, I work very hard not to be transactional. I, I don't want to come in and be a one-year fundraiser for you where, you know, it doesn't work out or I'm just there to make my money and, and get out of there. Uh, I want to be transitional. I want to be able to help programs transition into a program to where it's not asking somebody if they can buy something and they just go buy it, right? Be, because they have the funds to do that. And I think with our process of just being involved every step of the way with the coach from, like I said, from the beginning to picking to all the way through counting the money for you uh, and, and taking as much off your plate as possible and, and leaving the program in, in, a, in a better place than what it was when I first got there is really what sets me apart from uh, from others out there. I'm not just drop off a form guy and see it in four weeks. I'll pick up your money and then I'll get you, I'll mail your check in another four weeks. That's, that's just not who we are as a company. Being former coaches and current coach, that, that doesn't fly. Um, if I was a coach, I wouldn't like that. So uh, I want to be with you there every step of the way. Um, the transition your program into something like I talked about where you guys are, you know, you're eating good food, you got good swag, um, you know, you make a deep tournament run, you're, you're taking a charter bus and, and not a yellow bus and, and you're getting hotel rooms. Um, that's what I'm about for coaches. Um, I want to be able to help coaches year after year. And I think, you know, I was talking to a couple of basketball coaches today that I ran fundraisers with them last year and, and just touched base with them. And, and they're excited. We're running it again. My, my, uh, I had a 97% re-sign rate from basketball teams um, that I ran last year. So to me, that's a big statistic that um, I did a good job and, and they like me. I, I think one of the biggest compliments I've received from a coach it was, is actually a softball coach, but um he said, Brent, this was the best fundraiser we've ever ran. And it's not about the money we made. They made $18,000 uh, in a fundraiser. But he said, the way you interacted with my team, the way you talked to my players, they felt engaged with you. And you could tell you were engaged with them. Really set the fundraiser apart for him as a coach. I took that to heart. And that's something I try to do every single time is get to know you, get to know your kids, uh, follow the program. Because um, I, I own this company. This is a company that is in Ohio and I want to be your first choice uh, to help the program. So that's why that service is going to be delivered each and every time. Thanks for listening to Holding Court presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook at Ohio BK Coaches, on Instagram at OHSBCA1947, and online at www.oh.nhsbca.org. Until next time.